back to another Tracklist podcast show. I'm Darren Jenkins. I'm Chris Saunders. And we're doing an oldie but a goodie on the, today's podcast, The Breakfast Club, um, starring Woo. Judd Nelson, Molly Wing- Ringwall, Ali Sheedy, Emilio Estevez, Anthony Michael Hall, and Paul Gleason. Um Directed by John Hughes, um, screened by by John Hughes, a budget of one million, but a box office of fifty one point five. Five high school students meet in Saturday afternoon detention and discover how they have a great deal more in common than they thought. Um, featuring the signature song, probably for the "Don't You Forget About Me" and. Uh, I didn't forget about this movie, but I hadn't seen it in a while too. So it was kind of, it was interesting to kind of, I was watching it and my sister walks by. She's like, what the hell are you watching? I was like, The Breakfast Club. She's like, oh my God. That's, she's like, I remember that. I think it feels like like a, cl- a classic, right? This is a classic, right? I would say classic, probably cult classic. Yeah. Um, I don't know how your sister didn't recognize that. I mean, I feel like it's such a recognizable movie, especially with those actors. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta pop it off with just like, oh, what the fuck mm. <laughs> trivia. John Hughes wrote this in two days. Two days. He wrote the screenplay for this in two days. I could. I feel like I can believe that because it has a. Um, it feels like it's like one of these movies. If you're as you're if you're writing it, it just starts flowing. It starts going because even a dialogue feels very um, natural. I don't know how to explain it. Well, apparently, John Hughes really let the actors ad lib a lot, so there are a lot of. Ad lib parts this. This is crazy. Yeah, it's a, it's um well you know just the the kick off this movie is like the, the signature song comes on during the credits and um, like immediately puts you right in where you're supposed to be, which is mid eighties. I mean, like it's dead center. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you get the energy and the, the moodiness of the film uh, comes right in there. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not even sure if uh, if um, Simple Minds had mm. another song. Oh, they had a few. Um, okay, so they're not one-hit wonders? No, they, they've had a few, few. I mean, the 80s was very, between them and Genesis and Phil Collins and I don't know, like they, they were crushing, man. I couldn't name one other song by then. Really? Can you? Simple Minds? Okay, I'm waiting. Uh, hold on, I tell you. Live and Kicking. Um, nope. You don't know Alive and Kicking? Nope. Come on. I wish we could play that music on here. I would so play it. 
Uh, I'm like looking at a list of their songs, man. I don't recognize any of these. Oh, they're like one of my favorite bands. Um, I mean, some of their stuff is pretty sophisticated, but Alive and Kicking is a was on in like a lot of shows, a lot of movies too. I guess they were movies I was watching. Um, yeah, man. Well, first of all, John Hughes. Um, we're talking about Breakfast Club, of course, but Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yep. Uncle Buck. Um, I never watched She's Having a Baby or Curly Sue. These are all ones that he's directed. I mean, yeah. it's like the who's who of 80s cinema. Yeah, I mean, he's he's known for being kind of like the um, the the 80s. I think he's kind of like, he, he writes a lot of like these um, life story type comedies. Um me, Mr. Mom, obviously, and Sixteen Candles. Sixteen Candles is kind of like the, the pinnacle for all teenage heartbreak, you know. So yeah, I mean, if this is cult classic, that one is like super cult classic. It yeah, was not yeah. not my cup of tea, but I, I remember I just that was everywhere when I was growing up. I mean, he has so many like iconic films it's ridiculous i mean obviously ferris bueller probably mm -hmm. i would put ferris bueller at the top of the heap because um yeah i mean on about again not my cup of tea but like uh 16 candles it's, it's up it's up there I I, yeah. I I i love i mean i think everyone loves ferris bueller's day off but um yeah. wow I, I see 2006 uh this film ranked at number one for Entertainment Entertainment Weekly's 50 Best High School Movies. I don't know where it sits now with a super bad. <laughs> mm. um, well, hmm, super bad. Well, yeah, I mean, there's some tropes kind of stolen out of that. Like, super bad stole, stole a few of the tropes from this movie. Um, I mean, I, I feel like a lot of teenage movies that came after this movie have bits and pieces like every I think to some degree every comedy writer steals from John Hughes you know he's kind of like uh, I mean he he's the dude who everybody wants to be so uh, maybe um, I'm not sure maybe well I mean Mel Brooks you know <laughs> well he came Mel Brooks came before him so well, uh, what about um, uh, not Harold Ramis? Who's the the writer for um, Ghostbusters? Oh, um, yeah. His uh, what's his name? Um, Ivan Reitman. Ivan Reitman. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's more comedy or just, but that, I, that was a comedy I, film. I would put. I would. I would. I would say John. I would say John Waters before I said them. Waters was probably a more 80s. Um, cool. Ivan Reitman, Ghostbusters, uh, Twins, Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> those are those are those are some of my favorite films. Stripes. Oh my God. Yeah, oh, I love this guy. <laughs> Not so much Junior. Um, yeah, man. I don't know. 
Beethoven. Oh, stop, stop now. Okay. Um, so this one, so okay, Breakfast Club. Mm-hmm. 7.8 out of 10 on IMDb. Uh Rotten Tomatoes, critics 89%, audience 92%. So it's a consensus, I guess. Yeah. I would it's love to hear good. the specific feedback. Uh, but you, do you know what else I noticed? Um, I was looking through the, the cast. Uh, hmm. So what was the recent 80s movie we did? The recent 80s movie we did? Mm-hmm. Uh, last uh, podcast we recorded. Oh. Um, the hell's the name of that movie? The, co- the Color of Money. Color of Money, yeah, yeah. So there's an actor in this who was in that. But... Just like a backup, secondary, maybe tertiary character. <laughs> I just hmm. happened to notice it when I was looking at the cast for A Color of Money. So the, Who's the, the, uh, it's uh, Andrew's father. So uh, Emilio Estevez's father in this movie oh, he's... was some guy in the crowd in Color of Money. <laughs> oh, good gravy. Yeah, I uh, probably doesn't even have any lines in The Color of Money. Um, all right, so that's a little trivia for everybody. Ron Dean, Ron Dean. Um, so mm. now we have to address the elephant in the room, right? What's that? Which was pretty prevalent with a lot of high school films back in the day, mm-hmm. with the ages of some of the actors. Oh, yeah, me. When you first, I don't, re, I don't remember thinking about this when I first saw the movie, but I definitely thought about it while I was watching it this time. I'm like, why do all these people feel like they're 35 years old playing teenagers? Yeah, I mean, at least Judd Nelson was okay. So the ages were Judd Nelson, uh, 25, Molly Ringwald at least was 16, Emilio Estevez, 23. Anthony Michael Hall was 16, and Ellie Sheedy was 23. Uh, I, clearly, the biggest one is, is Judd Nelson, because yeah. he, he doesn't even look. At least the other ones can kind of pull off high school. Yeah. Emilio Estevez, sure, sure. Ali Anthony Sheedy Michael Hall definitely looks young. He's, he's yeah. a baby face, yeah. so. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Judd Nelson, my goodness. You know, while I was watching this, Maybe, no, you know what? I'll save it for our in questions because I have a question about his casting, to be honest. Well, well, there's there's some trivia about uh, the casting there as well um, with some other people that were in line for the role. Mm. And I, I, we have to figure out what age they were at the time. Um, but yeah, we can save that for later. Um, okay, I got a pop quiz for you. Pop quiz, hot shot. What is the name of the school in the movie? Oh, it's um I forget the name of the damn school. Um I don't know if I should even answer this. I should maybe just wait for uh when we post this and and have people comment <laughs> with the answer. Yeah, maybe you should. Oh, we're gonna leave everyone with a cliffhanger. I like that. Um okay, okay. Well, don't look it up. Uh, so, I mean, I went to school in Manhattan. You went to school in, in Jersey City. 
or Newark. Jersey. Newark. Uh, yeah. So both 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 urban. Um, what was your experience watching this film when you were younger? Uh, well, we didn't have quite like I went to an all like I went to a prep school, and it was maybe uh, so it was all guys. First of all, second of all, there's very little um, like when you haze somebody or whatever they, they call it back then. That just was a fight. It was a fight. I was just like, while I was watching this, I was like, remember the good old days when you just did a fight? You didn't have to, you weren't teasing people. You just punch them in the face. And so, good old days, right? yeah, good old days, man. Just slug it out. <laughs> no, thank you. Um, well, I don't remember that. There was definitely teasing. I mean, I went to a private school, not all boys. Um, yeah, it was just definitely teasing. There was not any slugging it out. But I mean, again, this so this is set in a fictitious town at a fictitious school. Um, it's supposed to be on the outskirts of Chicago. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I was in the city. I don't know why I like latched on or identified with this film so much. I remember like anytime I would be at school for like spring break, and like you know that's where my mom sent me. Like they would have programs just to take keep the kids busy while uh, during the summer or any other breaks. And I would just like run around the hallways like I was at in, in the breakfast club. <laughs> mm. Anyway, so yeah, this definitely had an effect on me. I, I felt like my eighth grade, ninth grade was more like this than in high school. Like to me, like we had, I mean, it was a lot of that kind of, you know, clickish, you know, the jocks and the cool kids and the, you know, yeah, and it was well, mostly yeah. a, you know eighth grade, ninth grade. I was in Maryland, so it was a mostly white school. So okay, yeah, I, I guess yeah. My, I mean, my school had its cliques in high school, but like when I was when I, when this movie came out, I was. I mean, it's nineteen eighty five. I mean, I was yeah, three, I was, so I, I was in college play. already. God damn. Um, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> um. So like I didn't watch this movie when I was three, but you know later on when I and this this is one of those movies that was on repeat on TV. Yeah, growing up, like I would call this a day killer. Yeah. Um, so you know I, I saw it when I was a little older, and I mean, uh, you you talking about how this kind of like how shit was for you in seventh and eighth grade. I'm like. There are some what the fuck moments in this that I, I wasn't doing in seventh grade. I wasn't doing this shit in high school. So there was a lot of what the fuck moments. And there's yeah. matter of fact, this whole movie is kind of a what the fuck moment. I, I was gonna say, man, but you, you said it. Um, <laughs> shit. Um, I, I found this uh, bit of trivia funny uh, on IMDb. Uh, the, the teacher Vernon is based on a wrestling coach from Hughes's high school who flunked him in gym. And Hughes ran into him later, and the coach said the movie was good, but the teacher was a real jerk. <laughs> Hilarious. Um, I, the, the lack of self-awareness is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that dude must have been a dick. Yeah. This guy is a – this guy is – wow. Like, he's essentially bullying kids, at least uh, bullying Bender. 
he was a he 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 was a and you know uh, again I mean the casting for this was spot on for him. Um, Paul Gleason, such an iconic character actor. I think he's been in, he's been in a ton of stuff. And um, so you know, I remember him from other stuff. I couldn't name a movie right now if you paid me. So now I have to like look it up. He was in uh, Die Hard. Oh yeah, he was the <laughs> incompetent cop. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, there we go. That's probably where I know him from the most. Uh, I think he honed his skill in this movie, like his assholeness in this movie, and that's how you came to know him. What? Oh, wait a minute, Clarence Beeks. Clarence Beeks. Yeah. Yes, trading places. Oh, that, oh man, it's all coming together now. Now, I, I know I know I've seen him like so many times. Uh looks like he was in Arthur. I don't remember what role he was in that. Or he's an executive, might have been backup. But like his career, man, like Remington Steel, yep. um, Hill Street Blues, Magnum PI, Dallas. My God. Yep. Ewoks, the Battle of Endor. Nice. Um <laughs> the the A team, Miami Vice. This guy everywhere. Absolutely yeah. everywhere. Yeah. What a legend. Uh, that, that, and, that, that's, a, that's a lifetime achievement war right, right there waiting to happen. All types of, I mean, he's done action, he's done comedy, he's done drama, he's, I mean, you name it. I hope he got it before 2006 when he died. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, man, he, he was he was great in this film. Like the guy, the, the character you love to hate. I mean, despite his age, um, Judd Nelson is really good in this movie. <laughs> Yep. Although I think uh, Milo Estevez was initially cast for that role. Oh, what was he? Which, which I don't know if that would work. I really don't know. Yeah, I don't think he. Would, I don't know if he could have been as good a asshole. This, and it goes back to my question. I, I'll just ask it now. Whatever. Don't you think Robert Downey Jr. could have done this role as well? Which one, Bender? Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen him as a tough like this. Tough, I don't know. Yeah, he's not tough though. He got his he got his ass put down by Emilio Estevez in the movie. I mean, yeah. well, so. Emilio Estevez is a wrestler, man. It comes to hand to hand combat, he's gonna win. But yeah, but like I, I can't imagine Robert Downey Jr. pulling out a, a switchblade and like me be believing it. <laughs> Maybe Iron Man suit, but not a switchblade. Hmm. You have to flash back to that. What was the movie we did with him? And um... oh God, I'm not gonna remember the name, bro. Yeah. Why, why are you asking questions I can't answer? Um, let me, let me, let me. I'm just gonna look it up. It's in, it's in my folder somewhere. That that really fucked up one. But he's just like a was he a drug head in that one? Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna find this. We've done so many. Oh, it's um, less than zero. That's the one. Thank less you. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, he's not. He's not this role in that. But yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Well, usually he's the quick, wisecracking kind of guy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, did you, so? Did you have a guy like this in school, or everyone was just punching each other? Like oh that? yeah, I actually had a dude. I remember his name. Uh, it was funny because well wasn't funny, but 
because um, he he had no teeth, and um, so people used to call him No Teeth Maccabi, and um, he, he used to try to pick on me until one day I punched him in the mouth, and then that went away. How long so, did it take your, your, your hand to heal? Didn't take my hand to heal. No time at all. No teeth, man. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. I mean, there's, there's bone in his fucking cheekbone. Um, uh, I, I, if I was the guest, I would have said you you were that guy, but I, there was somebody else. No, I, I've. Or maybe that's another lack of self awareness on your part. Um, no, no. So speaking of that guy, of the whole, I mean, this is just what the one of the what the fuck moments, but the whole impregnating the prom queen comment from Bender. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, like that's that's what I'm saying. Like, I ain't never made a comment like that in high school. Me ever. I mean, so. I had a I had a grandmother would have stopped me out if I came <laughs> home, if I had been do detention because I said some shit, you know, crazy like that. She would have stopped me to death. You'd be doing a podcast with JT right now. Uh, with a, a bunch of uh, impressions the whole time. Does, do you think he knows Judd Nelson? Um, Sean, you know, Sean Connery in high school. <laughs> Although I do love, uh, I love his comment. Uh, the door is way too heavy, sir. When Nelson yeah. Vernon's trying to prop it open with a chair, and then it slams closed, and he's just like cursing on the other side. Uh, as as much as there's what the fuck moments, there's, there's definitely some some funny moments here. Yeah, I mean, there's I mean, you know, there's some stuff in this movie where I'm just like, um, wow, that's inappropriate. <sighs> Okay, and that's inappropriate. Yeah, well, the, all those the sex tough and tough tough guy scenes are just like so uncomfortable. Like the one you referenced, where like mm-hmm. Emilio Estevez like wrestles him to the ground, especially because uh, Judd Nelson is just almost ten years older than like Molly Ringwald, for example, and like their interactions are just like cringeworthy. Are, are they legal? Are these like, were they legally allowed to kiss in this movie? Like, that's a good question. No, no one got picked up, I guess, at the end of the movie. So, um, uh, well, one thing about this movie is, like, I feel like this movie, even though it, I mean, some of it ages pretty badly, but mm-hmm. not not in bad ways. And, and I, what I mean by that is, is that if I were a teacher in in high school right now and wanted to teach kids what not to do as far as bullying, this would be the movie I'd watch. Mm. I would say everything in this movie you see, don't do. Well, especially the story that uh, that Andrew talks about in the, in the locker room. Yeah. Um, but on the flip side of that, so I, you just said that and this popped in my head. Like Also like I don't know, emotional, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maturity. Mm. Um, and that goes back to the, we completely skipped over the whole quote that opens the movie. Yeah. Um, and these children that you spit on as they try to change their worlds are immune to your consultations. They're quite aware of what they're going through. 
Uh, it's from David Bowie's Changes. Um, Selected by Ali Sheedy, by the way. Yeah. Um, and I was, I was, I was just thinking, like, yeah, we open like every, this. Actually, that's why this movie is kind of made well because it opens up like everyone's has has put on their facade, and by the time it's over, those facades are all broken down, um, and you get that gradually as it goes. And I think it's just that's why it's well done is because like as the more and more time they spend together, uh, and start talking to each other and getting to know each other and pushing buttons and everything, yeah. Um, you know, you get this emotional maturity that I'm talking about. So yeah, like Bender is bullying people and like rubbing them the wrong way. And you hear Andrew's story of why he's in detention. By the way, all the stories were ad-libbed at the net scene. Which is um, crazy. Yeah. Um, and like, I just, I'm sitting there like these kids are super self-aware. Uh, and I just don't think I was at that level at that point in my life. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like that that quote, the David Bowie quote, speaks more to kids these days. I feel like kids these days are like a lot more self aware and like quote unquote woke. Um, and maybe maybe I was just I wasn't emotionally mature at that stage. But like, yeah, man, like I, I thought that was, um, I guess, very insightful by Ali Sheedy to like equate that that quote with this film and this screenplay. Yeah, I mean, the, yeah, these kids were kind of sophisticated in order to kind of break each other down to their base molecules, uh, you know what I mean? Intentionally or not. <laughs> or intentionally or not. And then to kind of have like this evolution across the movie. Mm -hmm. um, the only, the you know, I, I guess I'm skipping past a little bit, but it's kind of symbolistic of what we're talking about, which is the only the only evolution I didn't see coming was which was when um, Claire goes ends up in the closet with uh, with Judd Nelson and they start making out. I didn't see that one coming at all. Well they they do like hint at it through throughout the film. Like she like he's making really um, inappropriate comments to her throughout and she's acting like she's not liking it but I mean she probably doesn't in the beginning but as the movie continues you, you see her like doing little smirks and like when he's even like I don't know going off on Vernon the, the teacher she's like she's laughing and like she's kind of getting his sense of humor so it might come out of the blue a little bit but I think there's hints of hints to it Mm. It, it also goes to, like, I, I remember when I was in ninth grade or eighth grade, there was a girl who was in my school who used to try, like, always try to start trouble with me. And I was like, you know, I kind of try to move her out of the way so without, you know, confronting her. And I came home one day and told my mom this, and she goes, oh, she likes you. That's what it mm -hmm. is. She's like, she, if she's going to start, if she picks on you like that, it's because she likes you. She doesn't know how to communicate it. And I think we get bits of that between those two in the movie, you know, where he's kind of like throwing up all this noise. Um, but, you know, I think he probably kind of 
was attracted to it from the get-go. He just didn't know how to communicate it or didn't want to break out of his persona. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah. Um, and, and by the way, his uh, rendition of Brian's home life. Oh, yeah. It's pretty fucking dark, man. And then, and then his own. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, question for you. Hmm. It's very important. So I want you to think about it. Oh, brother. Here Have we you go. ever attempted to eat a Captain Crunch and Pixie Stick sandwich oh. after, after watching this? No. And, I, you know, Captain Crunch is one thing. I'm not sprinkling any crap in my Captain Crunch. Not like, even a little, a little crack. I don't know where that's from. Sprinkling a little crack in your sandwich. Yes. <laughs> That's Dave Chappelle's right there. Uh, uh, no, I'm good. How about yourself? Uh, I, I probably thought about it. I don't know if I ever did it. I don't, I don't think so. I hope not. Um, that might explain why my cholesterol is so high these days. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I have so many notes here. I'm just... Not sure we're gonna get through all this. Like, uh, there's a bunch of quotes I wrote down. There's a few what the fuck moments. I had to like be selective with those. But um, I I'll tell you one thing about this movie too is that I think I think a lot of people don't realize when this movie first came out, it was real like 51 million dollars. Even though it's very successful, it feels low to me, and the reason why is because. This movie was very influential in, in in fashion afterwards as well. His Judd Nelson's look was being replicated across fashion, high school, music. I had His, kids in, in middle school, so like early 90s, yeah, dressing like that. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was pretty. I mean, is, is, is it, it pre-grunge? Is that what it is? is, is it, that looks very grungy. I think it was just right around the grunge when grunge was starting to peek yeah. its head, you know. So, mm -hmm. um, uh, yeah, man. So, well, we we're kind of talking about all this. I mean, we're assuming people have all seen this movie, but a bunch of kids in detention uh, on yeah. the weekend um, yeah. who normally wouldn't hang out with each other. And you got, you as Darren said, the jock, the, the bad boy, uh, the, the, uh, popular thief. girl, the nerd, and like the outcast. I mean, yeah. Slash thief. Um, and then the asshole teacher thinks it's fun to, I don't know, he must think it's fun to come in on the weekend and make students' lives a living hell. Yeah. Um, and, and throughout this film, they're just like, it's, I don't know, I use the word talking to each other lightly, but <laughs> eventually they start having real conversations. So uh, I don't know. We've been, we talked about Bender, who's giving the teacher shit, giving everyone shit, actually, mm. being an asshole. We haven't really talked about Brian, who, who has one of the, the funnier quotes um, early on, which is um, Vernon gives them an assignment to write an essay of who they think they are. And uh, he's like, you know, so you guys can think about if you want to come back here again. And Brian's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I can answer that right now, sir. That, that'd be a no for me. <laughs> Sit down. <laughs> but then, uh, I, I'm gonna let you. 
Vernon has one of my favorite quotes that I feel like I've used throughout my life uh, when he's like talking to Bender about like not acting up and not pushing him. Oh. You remember that quote? Uh, not which one? The one where he goes, two hits, me hitting you and you hitting the floor? No, no, that's uh, that's Andrew saying that to Bender. Uh, no, this is a Vernon when he's like, don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the uh, Yeah. I feel like teachers all over the globe adopted that. I definitely had a history teacher who like was in the military that would say shit like that. He was very scary. Yeah, we had a wrestling coach that would do that. So I feel like that's just something he would say. Um so eventually, oh well, that was another where when did this happen? Oh man, I must have out of order here, but I have a what the fuck moment for you. What's that? Actually, can you give me one? I think I've been throwing some out to you. Do you, you have a what the fuck moment you want to talk about before I? Uh, might be the same one. Well, my what the fuck moment was um, kind of part of a like a sequence of events where mm-hmm. so, um, what's his name, um, Bender. So you know, Bender gets put in the closet. And Bender ends up climbing up through the ceiling and then falling through the ceiling in the, into the, I think the faculty, faculty's bathroom. And then he comes in back into the library and hides under the table between Claire's legs. And I'm like, what? Well, he hides under the desk. Yeah. And while Vernon's looking for him and they're covering for him saying, oh, we don't know. Why are they covering for him, he, man? He, he, out of the corner of his eyes, sees between her legs and proceeds to put his face in between. I mean... That wouldn't fly today. That's not flying today. You can't, can't, I mean, that's canceled right there. That's canceled. That that's, is sexual assault. Just a little bit. I mean, I, I guess movies have that kind of stuff, but like... It wasn't in the tone of like it, it wasn't like I, don't know, I felt that, like the tone was fun. It wasn't like this right. is bad. It wasn't. It wasn't malicious. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, but we have to go right before when he when he's put in the closet. This is oh. this is my episode of uh, so hold up. <laughs> so he's in the gym running away, running around, running away from Vernon, and he goes goes to the gym. I'm supposed to believe that Judd Nelson can dunk. Oh, you saw that too, right? Uh huh. I was like, hmm, okay. And that rim actually looked regulation. <laughs> well, how tall is Judd Nelson? He's got to be like five, six. He ain't dunking, dude. And and I I'm I, I'm I pictured immediately like oh five ten because it's it's a it's it's a close up of him, right? Yeah. So I, I imagine they had some kind of platform that he jumped off of, and as they pulled out, they pulled that away as well. I think there was some cinematography magic there, man. Wow. So you're just not gonna give him? No. You're not gonna give him the props, huh? Not a, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> what happened?
So um, then we have the scene that we've all experienced, the, the peer pressure scene where uh, Bender goes, grabs his weed out of Brian's pants. Nice. And goes mm. to smoke a doobie. And then everyone ends up joining him slowly. Looks her, looks her past back and forth like, what are you doing this, man? <laughs> I think uh, even uh, Brian goes before... Um, is Ali Sheedy's character's name Allison? Uh, it's yeah, Allison. Allison. Yeah. So Brian even goes up there to get high before Allison and uh, Andrew. Well, I, I guess Andrew's the, the athlete, so he didn't want to do that. And they all get they all get high together. Uh, did you? There's a there. So once so there's that iconic scene, the dancing scene where they're all kind of dancing and. Emilio's dancing, you know, doing his thing, taking his shirt off and throwing it, doing his whole Tom Cruise move. Um, I was thinking Footloose. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, did you happen to notice anything? Yes, I did. Scene? And I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> and I, I, and I, I, I tagged this one. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Question. Did I see a Confederate flag? <laughs> where where was this school at? Because um, I, I Chicago at, with a Confederate flag. The fuck? Yeah, I, don't, okay. I, I, I didn't even put what the fuck. That's a what the fuck. That's a what the fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um. Good times. Um, mm. But you know, so you have that in there. I don't know if that we should we should uh, we get ask John Hughes about this if that was intentional. Um, but you know you have that, but you also have like something that I think was I would say it's before it's time because we talk about this shit now like double standards of like women, and there's a quote um, from Allison hmm. uh, they're talking about when they're all getting high and they're talking about if uh, Claire's ever had sex. And uh, Allison says it's kind of double-edged sword. If you say you haven't, you're you're a prude. If you have, you're, you're a slut. A slut. Yeah. Um, and like, yeah, that is definitely the the double standard that like society our definitely our society has with women. And they're talking about this in 1985. Like, yeah, I would, that's still true now, man. <laughs> that's why I'm just like, how like these kids mean pretty fucking sophisticated man yeah that goes to the whole quote like um david bowie quote yeah and then then another another one in that same that same scene has a bunch of stuff but like um andrew says we're all bizarre some of us are just better at hiding it yeah i think that's true then and even more true today Mm -hmm. that's those are the facades we were talking about right like allison doesn't really try well, in, in a sense, she does. I mean, she's, she calls herself a, a pathological liar. So I guess that's a facade, but like, she's still being weird. She's clearly weird. Uh, she was Bender. like, she's my favorite character in this movie, by the way. I mean, she doesn't even talk for the first, what, 25 minutes of the movie? Yeah, like <laughs> most of the movie, she says nothing, mm. which I thought was a, kind of a dope choice. Yeah. By um, the way, she, which 
you know, the next year, in 1985, she does St. Elmo's Fire, mm-hmm. which is almost an exact opposite of this character. Well, that one is also... Wait, is is, is that the one that also has Emilia Estevez and like so, um, several of these, these, these actors? Yeah, a lot of... And they're, and they're playing college students there? I think so. <laughs> it's um, The cast is... Rob Lowe, Amelia Estevez, Andrew McCarthy, Judd Nelson, mm-hmm. Demi Moore, Ali Sheedy, Mayor Winningham, and Andy McDowell. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, Ali Sheedy, I, I actually, that's something I need to look into. Like, I know I've seen her in a bunch of films, but again, I can't name them. So... Uh, she's she was in short circuit. Um, oh, she, she was in short circuit. Yeah, she was in oh, short circuit. Oh shit! Okay. And, and two, um, she I was need, in. I need, home, to, I need to rewatch that. Too. Home Alone, Home Alone Two. What? Yeah. What was she in Home Alone? Um, in Home Alone, she was. I don't know what she was. That's a good question. I don't know. Oh, she was in War Games. She was in War Games, yeah. She was also in Hill Street Blues, like uh, Vernon. Oh, yeah, she was really good in that, actually. Damn, Short Circuit 2. She's having a baby, also, that other guy. What the hell? Yep. <laughs> These yep. guys. So, I don't see Home Alone. What year was that? 90... 92? I don't see it listed here. Oh, ni- uh, 90. Oh, no, there it is. 92. Yeah. Ticket agent. She was a fucking ticket agent in Home Alone too. Okay, that's she was in Home Alone too, like and Home Alone. I don't see Home Alone anyway. It's weird. So yeah, so I'm like, I recognize some of these now that I see them, but she, I feel like she had a short-lived career with like big, big roles. Yeah, she played a lot of very. Like I, I think she did. She had she, she was more impactful on television after the eighties, I think, than she was on film. Be honest. Um, I'm gonna ask you more quotes uh, later. Um, so uh, okay, so in, in the, the the getting high scene, which is like a long ass scene, um, where they're doing all these talking and stuff. I was talking to like Brian. I mean, definitely a nerd because like. These are people mm-hmm. he doesn't talk to usually, and only because they're stuck together in detention, they're talking together. And like, I was just like, how are you going to consider people you spent a day with your friends? Like he said, I consider my friends. Like, after not even a day, half a day. He's a nerd. I mean, nerds will have friends. Like you could talk to them for like two minutes, and they already think, you know. Oh, that was just weird. I know it's just like it's an hour and forty minute movie, and maybe they had to expedite some stuff and like and that's kind of like the whole point of don't you forget about me right like we're here now are you are we still gonna like talk you know when everyone else is around right so do you ever do do you ever do uh detention oh yeah but like not on a weekend it was always after school i had to do it on the weekend once <laughs> during this during the summer it was terrible <laughs> During the summer, I, I, I was at the, that's summer school. It ain't detention. No, it was it was 
it was summer school and then you got detention. You could you could get detention during summer school. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even my fault. <laughs> sure, sure. So same old story. Um, so here's something else I was thinking. This movie has a whole different complexion if there are minorities in it. <laughs> especially oh, when they're yeah. especially during the scene when they're talking about would you hang out with each other like when they get back to school on Monday. Like for example, Brian's the one like talking about like the pressure of having to keep his grades up and all that stuff. Okay. Let's let's put an Asian person in that role, right? Because historically <laughs> Asian parents are like fucking hard on their kids. They make them go to school after school. They make them like study on the week. Like it's a whole nother level of some stuff that like American children in general, but like white Americans specifically probably will never understand. Yeah, it's a whole level, whole different level of intensity. Right. So if if, if Ryan is Asian, I, I think that hits harder. Yeah. Um if Andrew is like an athlete because you know black you know, black people are like it's the only way we get scholarships and right, get to school. Right, right. That's like it's, it's like a major way black people are seen to succeed in this, this society. Okay, well if he's black, now this conversation is even heavier, right? So I it, it's it's outside of Chicago, like you think I know it's a suburb, but you think they were you know, I don't know, you know, the casting, although good, I think Emilio Estevez plays his role well. Molly Ringwald plays. Everyone does. Yep. There's still like, kind of feels like there's something missing here. Uh, well, that, that would be a good, like, I, I would love to see a recasting of this. Uh, black re or like a, like a multi-ethnic recasting of this movie mm. and redo. Because um, um, like an but I feel like the updating of would probably be like the problems would be different, right? I mean, you'd probably slightly because you know we don't really have as like a lot of the stuff they were talking about. It's much it's different, but I feel like to your point, if we just took the con. To, put new people in the same movie yeah it would like i think it would be a little bit more dark. I, I think we would yeah i think we would be talking about like methamphetamines yeah crack um, no not crack, they, uh, not crack. Uh, fentanyl yeah fentanyl um i don't know I man i feel like the, the athlete conversation is probably the same like right and then uh, you have to add in the cell phone because cell phones weren't around then so they'd be you know there'd be something about a cell phone or something yeah you know and facebook also, like you know i also think i think even like well obviously you still want to be multi a multi-racial cast but like yeah i don't know i look at like you know my wife's friends from college like mostly like Korean, right? Like, so you, in that sense, you do have a click, yep. right? You, you go to what you're comfortable with. So like, even in high school, I'm sure that's true to some extent, right? Even in my high school, like the Russians and like, not even Russians, like ex-Soviet states would hang out together, right? Mm. <laughs> like they had their own group, right? So you're gonna have like, when you add that racial element to it, where it's not just a jock, 
not just a nerd not just the popular girl but like black popular girl or and now you have gen you'll have gender uh, right clip. right there's just like yeah there's a, a lot more layers added to that onion um, so yeah and it becomes it's still a similar movie but it's just different conversations happening so i, I yeah i think as classic as this movie is i mean may, maybe just do a similar movie with a different title don't call it breakfast club but like let's you know be a good a good way avenue to have those conversations might be cool to make it into a TV show, a series, you know, where then every week you could conquer different, different, different groups with different challenges. Wait a minute, are we are we writing a, a TV or are we writing for Hollywood right now? Suddenly, someone's gonna steal this no, idea. No, we're on strike, bro. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> um, so I completely forgot why we skipped a. While we're talking about the dancing scene, um, uh, what's, the, what's the? Oh man, what, what? I actually didn't uh, check what song was playing in that particular moment. It was um, uh, what's the, something alone? Uh, we we are not alone, or something like that. Is that it? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I I remember that song, but I didn't write it down for some reason. Um, yeah, that that's playing. Uh, um, there's two songs not on the soundtrack that I think should be on the soundtrack. Mm. What is Bender humming? Like when they all get settled in the library? No, that's la later. J just Which, Bender. Oh, Bender. Uh, I have no idea what. He's dun, 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 dun. No. Dun, 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 oh, that. Dun, 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 dun. Cream well, he's airplane the, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then that's that the one you were whistling is like they all start whistling together, uh Colonel Bogey March from Bridge on the River Kwai. <laughs> so neither of those is in the soundtrack, but I feel like they should be. They should be, because they're kind of that was like a signature moment. They're yeah. both signature moments, actually. Yeah. Um and then there's music playing while Bender's running away from Vernon. Yeah. Um Fire in the Twilight by Wang Chung. Oh yes, I was like the minute it came on, I was like, "That's Wang Chung. That's my that's my boys right there." That's quintessentially eighties. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So like you know, I feel like that one was um, I don't know. I I was almost called filler, right? It's not mm -hmm. really speaking to the the story. It's just like. This sounds good. This is like this has the energy for the scene, right? Right. It's kind of completely opposite of what we've kind of been talking about the last couple films, where we said the soundtracks kind of made sense, but they weren't. It wasn't too much in excess, and they kind of fit the scenes pretty well. These were more accentable like pieces, like yeah, like you know, almost like. Yeah, it's there. I noticed it, but it doesn't really color the scene at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and there's actually another song, like at the end of the movie, you know, you have Don't You Forget About Me, but in the credit, later in the credits, there's a song Heart Too Hot to Handle, Heart Too Hot to Hold by Jesse Johnson and Stephanie Spruill. Spruill? I can't pronounce that. Um, I don't know if you know those two or that song. Never it just also, also felt like a filler 80s song. Well, a matter of fact, outside of Wang Chung and Simple Minds, there's not much anybody else that I recognize 
um, from the artist, which is weird because the, the soundtrack is actually considered iconic. Yeah, so. yeah. But like, if you look at the soundtrack listed, uh, two of the songs are, well, three of the songs are Keith Forsey, right? So he's the composer. Yep. And they used to do that. In the soundtracks, yep. they would mix in like the music supervision with the, the score. So, yeah. But yeah, so it's not a huge, I mean, there's what, 10 songs total, maybe 11 in the soundtrack? Yeah. It's 10 songs. So it's not a hefty one, which is fine. It's just cool. Yep. Yep. I don't even know. I don't remember the reggae. That's another one that was composed. I don't, I don't remember hearing that. Yeah, I don't remember that either. Um, you think you think I noticed I'll, that? You, you, it's probably during when they were smoking weed. Oh yeah, probably. Yeah, that's probably it. Thanks for that. Um, <laughs> anyway, so do you have any any quotes? Uh, any quotes that you really liked from the film? Um. Uh, what was the there was which one did I write down? Hold on. Um well you mentioned one that I liked, obviously, don't mess with the pole, young man. Um and you hit two hits, me hitting you, you hitting the floor. I put in some honorable mention because I feel like it's been stolen by a lot of different people throughout movie history after this. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an iconic um um quote um i liked i like this quote because um so when um allison there you know starts to kind of spill more about herself and stuff and she has this whole line where she says i don't have to run away and live in the street i can run away and go to the ocean i can go to the country i can go to the mountains how it made me feel was kind of like that feeling that um you get from a teenager who is struggling to find an identity and those people, those kids usually end up running away from home and, you know, being on the street a lot more. And that moment kind of made me, just made me feel a certain way about it. Um, it's not the best quote. I just thought it was the most transparent quote for me. For her. Mm -hmm. uh, you're going some serious shit. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm going my serious oh, shit, man. What's up? All, all mine are just, all mine are funny. Um, like, <laughs> Like uh, Vernon's talking to Bender, he's like, "What if, what if your dope was on fire?" And Bender returns, "Impossible, sir. It's in Johnson's underwear." Yeah, <laughs> and he just kind of gives like look. And it's well, it's, it's actually in Brian's pants. So like, Brian's <laughs> like, "Yo, don't rat me out, bro." <laughs> uh, and then like, when they ask Brian, like. Brian had some funny ones. Andrew asked Brian what he needs a fake ID for, and he's like, so I can vote. Which is an ad-libbed line, too. Oh, is it? Yeah. He's such a nerd. Yeah, so I can vote. <laughs> I would never have thought about that when I was a kid. And I think that moment right there was um, kind of like stolen by Superbad with McLovin. 
So I think yeah. it was like the beginning of like it was the beginning of the whole um, uh, bad IDs, you know, in high school. So yeah, I had a real shitty ID. Um, really? You have any what the fuck moments? Uh, um, trying to think. Uh, I mean, for me, the biggest what the fuck moments was had to do with Bender and Claire. Um, Bender's, um, just some of the stuff that he says to her is just like, you know, like I feel like he, he, he's going, he, he's going to be in, you know, in jail real soon, you know, and uh, and uh, she's going to be dysfunctional, you know. So, yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, what about yourself? Bender is super fucking dark, bro. Um, I mentioned someone already, like impregnating the prom queen. Um, I mean, Andrew uses a word that I haven't heard in a long time, and Which is? by the uh, really terrible word for a gay person. Oh yeah, it starts yeah. with an F, six letters. Um, I, I couldn't even write it in my notes. I had to use different you know things in my keyboard mm. um or how about um when he so was like, like sporto level with me did you slip through the hot beef injection yep mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh did you know there's no punchline to the poodle joke that bender's talking saying when he's uh crawling through the ceiling there's no oh I think that was, I don't know if that was also ad-libbed, but yeah, there's no punchline. I was going to so say. That, that was a like was... for me. Um, oh, how about um, when Bender fakes like he's going to urinate under the table? <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's definitely the, the lesser of the what-the-fuck moments in this movie. Yeah. Um, so, all right, are you ready for some final questions? I have some ones based on some of the trivia I found. Sure, why not? Okay, so we mentioned other possible castings for Bender. Two of the people that were considered were Nicolas Cage and John Cusack. What do you think about either of these two in the movie? Um, from a slacker standpoint... John Cusack would have probably been a better fit, but neither one of them, to be honest, because I don't see neither one of them as being tough per um, per se. No. So Nicholas Cage would have been twenty one for this movie. Oh right, because he would have been just doing uh, what was the movie he did with his, the cop who uh, got the lottery ticket with the waitress. Oh my or, god! Or, did, or was that Moonstruck? That would have been. No, moon- no. It was something else with um, Rosie Perez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, I can't remember. Uh, let's see. Uh, John Cusack would have been actually in his teens. 
Oh, so there you go. Yeah, because we've been right around the same time he did say anything, I think. But, you know, like, age age, age aside, you know, Judd Nelson did a, a great job. I can't really imagine anyone else in this role. So. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Um, and then, well, we discussed this last time. Instead of, instead, we're going to move away from Tears in Heaven. Mm. And we're gonna ask if there's an if there were if there's any Eric Clapton songs that would fit into the soundtrack. Um, let's see. Um, this is a trick question, Dan. <laughs> why is it a trick question? No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and ask it. Um. Uh, I mean, maybe cocaine. Um, yeah, we can replace the the reggae, whatever that yeah. reggae song is, with that. Sure, I'm down with that. Yeah. Um, um, how about yourself? Well, it's a trick question because there already is unofficially an Eric Clapton song in this movie. He was part of Cream. Oh. Sunshine of your love is in there already. <laughs> gotcha. Those of, anybody who's not watching this on video, I've rolled my eyes extremely. Yeah, it's stuck that way. Nah, that's unfortunate. Um, and actually, I was thinking about this earlier because we were talking about, well, the whole song, the whole premise of this movie and the whole premise of uh, Don't You Forget About Me is would you Forget about me. No, would you would you be my friend or would you talk to me outside of this like this weekend right. detention and when we go back right. to school? Right. So it was originally suggested that there would be several sequels for this, uh, but they would meet every ten years uh, and get back together. It felt uh, like that too. Apparently, there was a volatile relationship between John Hughes and um, Judd Nelson. That's why it didn't Gee, happen. surprise, surprise! But like, one should they have done that? And two, um, I I, I want to see the next Monday at school, like not just not just ten years, but because like ten years later is like the big chill to me, right? Like, right. Um, yeah. Hmm. Um, well, I kind of equate it to the uh, movies that Ethan Hawke did, um, like about last. It was it. Beyond, beyond last night or beyond twilight or whatever it was, and he did like three movies where they kind of like follow up on each other. And the reason why is because, like, at the end of this movie, you see everybody leaving, right? Their parents pick them up, and they're all kind of like building these relationships. But don't you want to know? Like, I want to know. I want to know what the result of all of this breakthrough was, not only with them amongst themselves, but with their parents. I wanna know what the difference, like, like whether things change at home or things happen, you know, yeah, what and, happened. And then to me, that's that's not a 10 year gap. That's like- No, a, a, like three, a, two years. Not yeah. even, like what, 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 yeah, what, what actions are these guys, people, are these two, these 
five characters going to take in the next weeks and like right how does that result in the next months and years right like yeah if there was to be a sequels i would want more immediate answers right yeah 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 because i mean what do we know what year they're in school like i I assumed it was i assumed it was the year it was was, the film was made in 1985. no i mean like juniors seniors Man, let's just assume seniors because of Judd Nelson, all right? Okay, so because I was going to say if there's if they're juniors, then that'd be cool because then we can do the next year, the yeah. senior year, see if that changes, and then the following year could be the last year because they're going like, you know, it could be their first year in college, you know. So yeah, Bender's a super senior. Um, yeah, he, no, he's in jail. Remember by that point in time, right? Uh, so. All right, favorite song and song you think encompasses the story. Um, this to me was a one of, a, like a rare movie that the soundtrack, like the lead song off the soundtrack, really to me was the the song for the movie. To me, um, simply it says it right there in the word in the first the the title. Don't forget about me. You know, it's kind of I think it kind of sums up everything at the end, you know, basically, you know, we are all the same, you know, so tomorrow when we come to school, don't forget about me, you know. Um, And then my favorite song, though, was only on for about 18 seconds probably, was um, the song by, um, the song by Wang Chung. Um, yeah, usually you're, you're wrong. Um, but no, I, 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 I'm actually, don't you forget about me is definitely my favorite song on the, on the soundtrack. I mean, it's just so huge and like you couldn't escape it and, yeah. and you get that feeling. Like when I hear it, I get that feeling of nostalgia it, and it's not just like, because I watched this film when I was a kid, but it just sounds so eighties. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but I just love the song. Um, and it was written for the film. So, you know, that's why it speaks so much to, you know, the story. But then I listened and watched and looked at the lyrics for uh, We Are Not Alone by Carla DeVito. Mm-hmm. And just the title itself, We Are Not Alone. You know, this group of kids that essentially feel alone in the world because their parents, you know, either ignore them or don't know how to relate to them. Um, and they get together and they find some kind of understanding together. Um, and then some of the lyrics are just like, things are clear in black and white, but living color tends to dull our sight like dynamite. Just imagine my surprise when I looked into your eyes and saw through your disguise, right? We talk about these facades that they have in the beginning of the film that break down at, when we get to the end. Um, and there's more lyrics, I'm gonna go through all of them. But So I'm choosing this one. I, I think it really speaks to not just these characters, but I think, you know, adolescence and that growing up process and mm. making those connections. So I, I chose that one. And your favorite song? It was, don't, well, Don't You Forget About Me. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, well, we're rating out of 10, 10 being the highest. What you got? Uh, cult classic, day killer, um, decent casting, um iconic like uh, tons of iconic quotes 
Um, I give it a, I give it an eight. Give it an eight. Soundtrack in the in the in the movie. Um, I'm gonna give Wow, I, I gave the film an eight as well. Wow, come on, what is going on, dude? I don't know. I don't know what's happening. Maybe I've just hit, reached the age where now I can relate to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. um, yeah, man, I gave it an eight. Everything you said, um, there are some things that do not hold up, so, you know, loses a little bit there. And I think the soundtrack could be more robust and have some better songs, but like that, Don't You Forget About Me is a banger through and through so you know it definitely carries the soundtrack so yeah man i i uh i i, I can always watch this film like you said day killer yeah 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 and, this, and i feel like if we watch this movie in 10 more in another 10 years um it still will age well i mean the movies i mean it's still going to be relevant so yeah, I mean, just like self-discovery of being a teenager. Yeah, I mean, that's always relevant, right? Yep. People are always going to be going through that. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, so, sorry, uh, you've got some stuff coming up soon? Yeah, yeah. Um, not not as much as I would have liked. Um, didn't yeah. make it past the contest to play that big benefit show at Credential Center, but... Um, I have my own show uh, Tuesday, September 12th at Pete's Candy Store. So that's coming up in a few days. I, hope, I don't know if this will be published by then. But, uh, and then yeah. I got November 17th at the Delancey, which I, I haven't been to in a while. So Pete's Candy Store oh. is solo. The Delancey is a full band. So looking forward to that. Maybe I'll squeeze something in for October, too. Oh, that's cool. All right. The Delancey is pretty decent places to to play yeah i mean it's, it's it's quite the venue yeah it's got a rooftop on the top it's got like a lounge on the main floor and then downstairs haven't been there a long time right yeah yeah well pandemic and i just hadn't booked it in a while so yeah yeah hmm. okay all right uh i don't have anything honestly i don't have anything this time at all um i'm working on some stuff that hopefully after our next podcast, which hopefully will be a movie that Chris has been waiting to do for quite a long time. Ooh-wee. So, uh, what's the singing in the rain? Oh, so, yeah, man. Um, I, I, I grew up on that film, so I am, I, I've been, I mean, dude, we're on our what, sixth season, seventh season? I don't even know. We haven't done singing in the rain, seventh season. God, yeah. come on. We're actually we're coming up on a milestone, actually, too. So, a hundred episodes. Mm-hmm. Oh snap! So that should be fun. We'll, we have to do something special for that episode. Can do a live show. Live show. Yeah, we should do a live show. That would be cool. Bring your ass to New York. Suck yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Tell somebody to give me a job. So that's what I'm doing. I'm looking for. We're both looking for jobs. So if you got, if you've got a job, hey, or, or you know what, if you own a podcast network, 
and you're looking for two sparkling personalities for your next show, what's up, yo? We right here. That is us. We are very sparkling. Yeah. Mm. All right. Well, um, this was a good one. Mm-hmm. And uh, and we move on. Yep. And um, everybody, uh, you should follow us, of course, um, on um, platforms that we do stuff. Um, you can follow Chris on Chris Saunders underscore music. You can follow me, the Darren Jenkins. But more importantly, follow our show at Trackless Podcast, please. And until then, I am Darren Jenkins. I'm Chris Saunders. And this was The, the Trackless. Trackless. I'm about to say the download. Oh, my God. <laughs> Finally, someone else other than me has made a mistake. Yes. Again, I'm getting to that age. Yeah, okay. Whatever, man. <laughs> See you guys.